the first person that we've done, uh, but the first person where we actually didn't didn't know this person in advance. One of us knew every person we've talked to so far, and and, and had actually ridden with in some yeah. cases, people. Uh, but Watts is is I know people who know Watts. I know of Watts's shop. I've been in Watts's shop. Um, he owns a, a bike shop down in Greensboro called Revolution Cycles. Great shop, also a bar. Um, I've missed being able to go uh, go in the door and have a beer uh, during the pandemic because obviously I've been doing that. Uh, but it's a cool place, really cool spot. Yeah, he seems like a weirdo in the best possible way. And we ended up having a really interesting conversation that wasn't so much about a specific bike race, but more about kind of, um, I don't know, philosophy and the impact of cycling on your life and balance and all things and uh, client services and <laughs> owning a shop and dealing with the pandemic as a bike shop owner. And we covered a lot of ground. I thought it was a really interesting conversation. And he is a super cool, super smart and thoughtful dude. Because the fact is, George absorb a lot of moisture and they retain it. And um, yeah, I have probably uh, irreversibly altered the pH of my butthole <laughs> by doing that. Andy, how much have you conveyed in terms of information? Not a whole lot. I didn't want to scare them off. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, I got the ride questions here, and I was going to look at them, but I didn't. <laughs> None of our guests do, and, and that kind of works with our bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. From what I understand from Andy, you do engage in big, dumb, long, gnarly bike rides. I do, for sure. I mean, my, um, I certainly end up doing events because that's an easy excuse to go do one of those rides. And with my schedule and just the way things work, it's easier for me to convince myself to go to an event than it is to just get out the door on a given day to do a big dumb ride because I start getting the stress about being away from the shop or, and I mean, I don't know how it is for y'all, but the first hour of any ride for me is just a kind of, what am I doing? This is the most selfish shit. Like I have so many concrete things that I could accomplish and that I actually need doing. And I'm out here being incredibly self-indulgent for probably the next eight hours or whatever. And like this, <laughs> yeah. So then you get past that wall and it's fine. But an event, you know, I paid money for it. And I guess I'm doing it. Yeah, I think uh, I, I don't even go on rides less than 20 miles anymore. I don't ride during the week. Sarah knows this. I don't ride during the week anymore. Yeah, and I hate to admit that I am one of those people that rides a trainer during the week a lot of times. Um, not because I like riding a trainer or even that I consider it riding in any way. It is, uh, it is a workout. And it is the equivalent of doing a bunch of burpees or something, but it just happens to be on... Uh, bike so I'll do like an interval workout on the trainer in an hour and be like cool I, I did something today yeah. it was better than doing a garbage loop in the suburbs where <laughs> I never even really got where I like to the point I wanted to I had to turn around by the time you know just time constraints I made the mistake of trying to to try to do like a shortish ride out of downtown Winston-Salem or in December when I was down there uh I mean, it was like I, I rode for 20 miles and I never got past like cul-de-sacs and trailer parks. Like it's just. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing when you are in a new city and you're exploring, you're like, oh, I've never seen this. 
alley of broken glass before, or wow, I've never <laughs> seen these big houses, or it's, it's kind of neat. But when you've been in a place for more than a couple of years, uh, that is so crushing to ride by the same house every day. For me, I'd say there are people that are built for that kind of thing. And they love like the comfort of having a loop that is theirs and they, that's uh, not my thing. You're in a bike shop. Is that right? You own mm-hmm. a bike shop? So I imagine you're often tied to the shop and it's hard to get out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the days I'll be like, oh, this is my, yeah, I'm going to take Monday off so I can do a ride. Rain. <laughs> or <laughs> someone calls in sick and, yeah. you know, what am I going to do? Um, and this, uh, for the listeners, tell us uh, just really quick the, the name of your shop and, and where you're at. So the name of the shop is Revolution Cycles, and we're in Greensboro, North Carolina. Wow. Yeah, it's a place. I live there. I know it. My sister went to college there. Oh, she did? I spent time there. <laughs> yeah, it's a place. There's um, a few yeah. businesses here. There's um, some neighborhoods. Uh, there's a creek somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But that's how I feel about it and how I felt 20 years. And I'm not going to bash this town in this podcast. <laughs> but suffice to say, it's not. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> that's what my partner and I talk a lot about, just like what we want in a place. And all we want is amazing outdoor activities in one bar with beer on tap like and maybe a restaurant to get some food sometimes but those things are not why we want to live in a place just not that's why i have the shop um and i have the shop here because i literally cannot think of what else i would want to do oh i like the i like the shop you know so that's a good reason that's a good reason great shop sarah we'll go there when this is all over Yeah, it's fun. It's a, you know, it's a challenge and I like challenges like that. And it's kind of like beating my head against the wall is one of the things I do really well. So yeah. Maybe so owning a bike shop. <laughs> yeah. Owning a bike shop, going on big dumb rides. You're kind of wired for this. Yeah, for sure. So what is the appeal of a really big, dumb, long, gnarly bike ride? Yeah, man. Uh, it's, multi-fold i mean without a doubt it's seeing something different Uh, naturally any of us that do big dumb rides like to hurt a little bit i'm not saying we're you know have issues but there's just an element of that um so you want to hurt you definitely want to hurt a little and you want to get just way far away from where you are yeah. And yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely running away from a lot of things. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, you hit that halfway point and you're like, oh, I guess I'm turning back. And then the last 10 miles, you're like, hmm, I, at least I am. It kind of yeah. depends. Sometimes I'm a sh- enough of a shell that it just doesn't even, I don't know where I am. But yeah. Speaking of being a shell, what would you figure is the biggest, dumbest ride that you've ever done? I mean, just the biggest, dumbest. Yeah, there's some self- the ones that have hurt the most. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bar that Pisgah Productions put on is absolutely one of those rides. I never anticipate that. Every year I go into that and just think of it as, oh, you'll be a day on the bike, and I forget just how taxing it is, even though we only end up with like 30 or 40 miles, but we're you know, walking up mountains, 
coming down trails that are way past my capabilities and um the terrain is never i mean it's beautiful but it's <laughs> i don't know if i've ever done that race where it was sunny and not raining so yeah that one is always tough and i have anywhere between eight and 11 hours for you know again a 30 or 40 mile ride uh and then typically ends up dragging me to that one and that's all his kind of thing because it's navigating in pisgah which is not my forte navigating <laughs> yeah. so i just kind of let him drag me around and he'll be like what do you think should we go this way should we go this way and i'm like hmm, hmm. just kind of shrug and then he starts second guessing himself and asks for advice and i just have nothing to offer <laughs> i just follow him for that one i'd still be out there if it was up to me <laughs> so who do you say you you do that with again? Rich Dillon, Team Dicky. I've heard heard rumors of someone who who may have facilitated a rule change for that by threatening to bring a cross bike and run the trail sections. I think that 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 rumor is out there somewhere. Oh, I'm sure that would that alone would be. <laughs> we end up carrying the bike cyclocrossing so much of it, but it's straight up climbing over rocks, and then just coming down the mountain, you're either walking with your bike on your shoulders or crashing it. Um, and it's more fun to crash a mountain bike than a cross bike, I think. Right. I think. So you're, you mentioned being on the trainer, which yeah, agreed, have similar feelings about it. Uh, do you prepare? Are you a big dumb ride prepper or do you? No. I feel like just I knew what you were gonna say. <laughs> no, I mean, I try to come in with like a base level of fitness, it's never, couch to you know whatever what was there's a term for that i don't know couch to crashing a mountain bike yeah couch to crashing um so i mean i try to maintain like a certain level of fitness but there's no uh, periodization or like a plan that i follow just grabbing stuff shoving it in my pockets everyone's at the start line and then here i come yeah, rolling in right when the bell goes off, typically, or done. So, given your MO, has there ever been a moment where you feel like you've, you've gotten in over your head on a big drum ride? Not necessarily. I mean, no, because it's just a ride. I mean, like, it really is. Like, we, I've certainly been tired and felt extremely petulant and just toasty and been like, I don't want to do this. I'm done. I'm just done and I don't want to. And, but it's not necessarily a getting it over my head thing. It's me, just me being like, I don't want to ride in the dark. I don't want to be cold anymore. I under, you know, maybe I didn't dress right, but yeah, I've never been like in a really bad survival place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've, just been, I've never, I mean, I've run out of water. <laughs> Which is pretty bad, but there's a there's a spectrum, right, of inconvenient to um I'm maybe never gonna see my family again on these rides. And I feel like the the worst the lowest I've been is either when I've been really much too cold or way too hungry. And it's those kinds of like bottom of the barrel moments that really uh make me question why I do this. Yeah, for sure. I mean in like a bonk, yeah, incredibly hard, and again, run out of water to the point where I was severely dehydrated. But the human body can go for X amount of days without food. Like, 
probably going to be okay <laughs> for the next 24 hours, even if I have to sleep out there. Or water, it gets a little more serious, but although after one of the dirty Kansas one year, um, I definitely peed Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I probably should have gone to the hospital. Just, yeah, it was so dark. And I was like, I think that's, that's, uh, that's a bad sign. I was going to ignore it. I was going to drink some water and some more beer. Cause I'm <laughs> yeah, that was one of my worst. Cause that one, I did run out of water, but there are people to bum water off on the court. It's fine. Oh, you're here. Mm-hmm. I am curious to know how many years I've taken off my life with every event kind of <laughs> going a similar way and finishing Pimbar. You know, I typically write original single speed because I'm just dumbass. What a stupid trope that is to the single speeders. But um, this is what I like. And coming down some of those hills in Pisgah, just super rocky, crazy things. At the end of the race, I'd be like, God, man, my sides are so sore. And it's my kidneys <laughs> been shaking so much or even neck and head. I wonder how many kind of micro concussions I've given myself just by being jostled around so much. Yeah. Why, why are we so dumb? Yeah. I, I got a buddy, uh, former for actually, uh, currently, currently recorded as of yet unreleased, uh, podcast guest for this, who, who did his first mountain bike race last year did the Shenandoah mountain hundred on a rigid single speed. Yeah. Like, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't all that much fun. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> that's one. I've, yeah. Done a, a number of times. And that's another one of those probably a mile 50. You're like, God, this is 50 is pretty far. That's plenty of miles. I still have 50 more to go. Um, and it's never fun at the end. Well, it is right when you start coming down the grass, typically after all the long races like that, I have to, just shut down for a little while. Like I see other people just walking around with beers and I need to just kind of like lay down and close my eyes for about an hour. And then I feel normal again. I'm sure that's my body not reacting well to that. Well, it's either adding years or taking them off, but I don't know that there's anything in between. I can imagine it's adding them. <laughs> Sacrificing uh, uh, kidneys for heart or something. I don't know. So I don't, I don't really know what type of answer I expect from this question, but we're going to roll with it anyway. Um, most triumphant accomplishment? I mean, most triumphant. Any time I'm on a podium, that's nice. I, all of that comes with a massive grain of salt, especially racing stupid single-speed class because you're like, yeah, I'm first or second on this podium, still hours behind the leader. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's still nice to be like, oh, me? Oh, me? Oh, yeah, look at me. I'm a paragon of hypermediocrity. I am. Do I not inspire you? Uh, yeah, so that's always nice. Like, I've had a few podiums at Kanza and um, I, not at Shenandoah ever, uh, but Pisgah events. And what was the last one? Uh, Croton Buck 50. Yeah. But again, Ooh, yeah. meaningless. All of them. <laughs> that Croton race is no joke. If nothing for else, sure. the, the mental t 
test of monotony that it presents if you do the full distance. Yeah, absolutely. And you come back to your car every time you're like, maybe I just won't. So the key with any of those races for me is just coming through, grabbing whatever nutrition, not even stopping for a second and just rolling out two things. One, that's very successful. Like you don't realize how much time you kill at aid stations. You hit three aid stations and spent five minutes there. That's 15 minutes off your rad time. Um, (laughs) Otherwise I'm just not going to keep going. (laughs) because <laughs> the utility of it all will sink in <laughs> and you just, yeah, realize what a selfish and self-indulgent <laughs> thing you're doing. Sounds like you've done a lot of these. Is there one that really stands out in your brain as the greatest, both in its maybe scope, but also its dumbness? <laughs> and do you feel differently about this experience in retrospect? I wish that I had some sort of transformative ride that was it really stands out. I mean, aside from just the first few road rides and mountain bike rides, honestly, but, and this is back when, you know, my mountain bike was a Univega Alpina. I mean, this would be the mid nineties and uh, rigid, everything 26 inch. And I was like, yeah, I'm a pretty serious mountain biker and toe clips. Uh, <laughs> when I would get hot, I would take my t-shirt off and tie it around my stem. Just like a cool guy. (laughs) Yeah. And just going on, you know, hitting some trails and kind of keeping going down a road and keeping going down a road until I realized I was kind of in trouble because I had no idea where I was. And this was certainly pre cell phones where you could just figure out a map or call someone. I mean, I can think of so many times where I'm in some farmer's yard, just been like, hi, can I use your phone to call someone to come get me? (laughs) Um, Yeah, Yeah, and that was probably, you know, early on, that was like a 50 mile ride. And I'm like, oh my God, look at me. I'm so crap, so wild. (laughs) (laughs) Just really uh, getting out here. Yeah, we've talked about that a bit on this podcast in how we define what a big dumb ride is. And I think we all, we've all we all concluded that it's not about the distance. It's about what's big for you. And yeah. we've talked to all sorts of people, everybody who's done, you know, Unbound Gravel, 207-mile race competitively to someone who remembers riding the first 20 miles, you know, and that changing their life. So it's kind of all over the place. But I think that's something we appreciate about the concept of a big dumb ride is that it's it's really not about, like crushing it, getting on a podium, going a bazillion miles. It's, it's kind of your, your overall attitude and approach to cycling. For sure. And I mean, the longer and bigger the ride you do, the more you realize just how much you can do, whether or not you should, because again, it's selfish, <laughs> but just, the, um, yeah, you start at 50 and like, that's incredible. I never thought I could ride that far. And you realize you, you could, you can. Um, you do 100 and you're like, I never knew I could ride that far. Yeah. You can and you did. And you're 200. I will say that past 200, I just don't enjoy myself. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, are you, are you still chasing that dragon or not? <laughs> no, I mean, I really enjoy a big dumb ride that starts early in the morning and ends at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to ride through the night. Uh, 24 hour racing is over for me. <laughs> like that's just not a thing. 
I want to do. I like sleep. I'm old. Um, how, yeah. How long does Pinbar take? Like for me, again, it was between eight and 11 hours, although I think one time 13, but it kind of depends because it's, it's up to you. It's a, a certain amount of checkpoints that you have to get in order to be technically in the running. And then the more you get, the better you do, how quick you do them affects your time, the order sometimes. Yeah, it just depends, man, how hard the race director wants to make it. Yeah, my mental image of that race is it involves headlamps. Fortunately, Rich and I always try not to have headlamps. We try not to rely on that. Because um, I think we both have enough just kind of fuck it that <laughs> if we were at that point, we'd be like, you want to just turn around? Yeah, let's just turn around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we want to do well and everything. But again, I feel like in some ways, neither of us have a ton to prove right now. Because yeah. we've both, you know, been second place on some serious podiums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some serious single speed podiums, regional <laughs> events. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, on that note, is there anyone in the cycling industry that you look up to or admire from all your, your days of maybe single speed crushing and or not? I don't know. I mean, there's certainly people I enjoy in the cycling industry um and i like seeing kind of what they're doing um back in the day i remember i was really like an admirer of john stamstead he's you know epic mountain biker and one year at interbike i met him and he was kind of a dick to me <laughs> not really john you weren't a dick to me i was a, a funny fanboy to you, a la Chris Farley, kind of like, hey, you remember when you did, um, do you remember when you did that one race? <sighs> that was great. And he eventually just kind of was like, mm-hmm, and he just walked away from me. Oh. So, fuck your heroes. I don't like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yo, heroes, be next to your fans. Maybe that's, that's what lesson. Yeah. Do I have fans? Uh, I kind of doubt that, but yeah. You will after this podcast. Oh, I know that I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like, there are people doing neat stuff that I really like right now. Like one of my favorite, let's say Instagram accounts is that bikepacking sucks. <laughs> Have y'all seen that? Yeah. Oh my God, man. He's like a genius. <laughs> He's a genius. That's I think so we good. accounts to temper all of this because it is, at the end of the day, you're riding a machine in, you know, in circles or in straight lines and you know if you get if you get too serious about it and you're too much of a jerk about it you really diminish the sport it's not good for anybody so i think these accounts to pull the piss are are really uh, i think welcome and needed absolutely and yeah. i mean i love the bike the bike is a huge part of my life um but i also hate when everything becomes about the bike or when it is used as such a defining part of who we are when we call ourselves, I mean, we call ourselves cyclists cause that's something we do, um, whatever, but it's the most absurd thing in the world. It's balancing on two wheels. That's it. That's it. There's nothing. It's absurd. It is absurd. And to make that like 
who you are is just, yeah, and just balance on two wheels. It's kind of who I am. It's kind of what I do. I think it's like if, it, if you make it who you are at the exclusion of everyone else, unless they meet, you know, or check these boxes or have this gear or ride at this level or, you know, do it this way or that way. You know, I think that's, that's the issue. And, uh, you know, if you're, if your enjoyment of bikes provides or allows for plenty of space for everybody else to also enjoy bikes, like that's fantastic. I think that's for that's sure. Cool. <laughs> and it is a way to enjoy, enjoy things with other people. Yeah. A wide variety of people. Again, to me, it's just one of those, like, it is a good example of the absurdity of the human condition that this thing is something we've glommed onto and are like, we're going to build a society around, um, yeah, just a culture around this thing. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, in some ways, reading is kind of the same thing. Like that. It's awesome. You're, absorbing knowledge and stories and this kind of thing but the act of just looking at words on a page is absurd <laughs> it's absurd yeah what's what's a page oh yeah it's so books are there these things um you don't know that world anymore huh no, I, I, I'm, still, I'm still captain moleskin over here oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just live in in the computer now it's, we just live in the computer now yeah I live in the shop. I live, I walk the same route to the shop every day. I walk inside. Yeah, it's Groundhog Day. It's, yeah, I'm hoping to go on a little trip soon to get out and about. And that's, those are my fate. Like, so I'm going to do some big dumb rides when I do that. And those are my favorite kind of rides because I'm going to just kind of head south into like South Georgia and find rides just use uh like ride with gps or whatever to see if other people have done routes down there and mash them all together into my own kind of thing and do a big dumb ride a day and i know very little about that terrain i grew up in atlanta but south georgia was like a wasteland just (laughs) what's down there nothing dragons so why there well because when i get in the van it's, um, I'm a little limited in my reach because the van is limited <laughs> in its reach. And because I don't know that area. And so I like exploring these kind of, I'd say unsung places that I know have awesome elements to them. And also it's going to be warmer down there. I mean, I could go into Virginia, but it's going to be warmer down there. So that's right. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I sort of chased that um, 26-inch mountain bike in the farmer's yard vibe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I'll have a phone that will die. With me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, carry around a brick. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if y'all experience this, but sometimes riding, you know, you're, you're always thinking, just your brain's going a million miles. And it might just be thinking about, like, Daryl Hall and John Oates. Or it might be thinking about, real shit that's happening to you and yeah my my head is typically beating me up fairly hard and there would just be these few thoughts that pop in your head that just sap all your energy and you're not full of rage there's no like kind of it's like a gut punch kind of thing and they usually happen for me 
you know, three quarters or halfway into the ride. And those are the worst because they just sap all my strength for wanting to even finish the ride. And it can be something like when I was, when my son was really young, I would just suddenly have this thought of him getting hurt or something. And I would just stop pedaling and just like this flood of weakness through my body. And yeah, those are, those are dark moments. I feel like on big long rides, you have hours and hours to kind of almost like on a, on a repeat play through these scenarios in your brain. And by the time I'm done with the ride, it's like, I've, I've exercised all of that out of my system in a way, even if not fully subconsciously. And so when fully consciously, and so when you're, you know, you're actually dealing with real challenges in life, it's, it's almost like I've done that work <laughs> and I've had a few hours. Sure. To do it. I always wonder if I'm just basically indulging my inner monologue and there's no outside stimuli to really challenge it. And so what I think is critical thinking during my ride and where I've really gone through the scenario is just me in my own echo box. So I like to think I'm a little smarter than that, but, <laughs> but maybe not. This next question is going to be a hard left turn. <laughs> Segway. I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to go with it anyway. What is the strangest thing you've ever eaten mid-ride? Uh, the strangest thing? Huh. Huh. I can't really think of anything super strange. I mean, you know, bunky rides where you find blackberries growing on the side of the road, and those are what get you done. Um, a <laughs> jaw. Like a little um, bear, like of honey, of somebody selling honey on the side of the road, yeah. <laughs> just from their apiary. Um, that was certainly something that got me through a ride once, just totally out of food, being like, I'll buy, I'll buy that. Just, <laughs> it's not strange necessarily, but... Um, unconventional, you know. Yeah, unconventional. I and mean, although Honey Stinger just made a whole industry on that, right? Yeah, yeah, I just had a honey bear. Yeah, I, I, that sounds really good to me. Yeah. Actually, yeah, that sounds pretty yeah. good. I might have to. That's... When you're in complete Bonksville, it's amazing. When yeah. you're not, it's excessive. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like raw honey out of an apiary is the next whole food fad. People are going to start demanding it <laughs> at like food courts and food Maybe. <laughs> but we keep killing the bees, so we can't. Well, they'll have to be like grown in a lab. Oh man. Oh god. Maybe. All right. <laughs> um, what is the, what's the worst clothing choice you've ever made on a big ride? Oh, cotton. <laughs> of course, yeah. when I first got into bikes, and I think a lot of us have this idea when we first did it. Um, I was lucky to have a brother who was into riding in, you know, late 80s, early 90s. And so I got into it, but I was like, I'm never wearing spandex. And so I would just go out and pair of cutoff shorts and a t-shirt. And that's what I mean by like getting hot and tying my t-shirt around the stem and just riding with my back to the sun and just, yeah, maybe no helmet, that kind of thing. And certainly that led to some intense chafing. <laughs> and now... I hate the 
I don't hate it. That's not true because I still do it a lot. But like the sort of like, yeah, we don't ride in spandex. I'm like, <laughs> pretentious. <laughs> pretentious. Like your ass is gonna peel off in one sheet after. Yeah. Yeah. we've just come full circle yeah you're like you're a new you know how i can tell you're new to this because i was there <laughs> yeah um yeah every once in a while i go out on like a big mountain bike ride thinking i'm gonna be like a, a cool, cool guy mountain bike bro and like a t-shirt and some jorts and how i never ever feels good by the end yeah um because the fact is jorts absorb a lot of moisture and they retain it and um yeah i have probably uh irreversibly altered the ph of my butthole <laughs> by doing that um a lot of moisture there's no way that doesn't make the opening quote for this episode <laughs> okay that's fine i was gonna say just the other times are i really don't i really don't like wearing a lot of clothing on the bike so Cold days, knee warmers and arm warmers and base layer jersey and a vest. If I have to wear a lot more than that, I just don't go maybe. But that certainly got me in trouble before where I'm like, I'm not going to bring a rain jacket or I'm just wearing this vest and you get out there and quickly realize that was a bad idea. And as I've gotten older, my circulation seems to suck. So my hands never get warm, ever. And you can't die from that, but it sucks. It sucks. It feels bad. feels bad. Yeah, I've only finished one out of five rides this year so far with feeling in my toes. Yeah, and is that good for us? No, I don't think that's good. I can't imagine <laughs> that's good for us. Maybe it is. It's like the cold water swimming thing where it actually creates a chemical response in your body that is beneficial. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Sarah, Sarah and I have done a, a version of that this year so far. Cold water swimming? Yeah. Stream crossing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 32 or something degrees, just above freezing. Where was that? It was uh, in Rock Creek Park, like, a couple weekends ago. Yeah, north of D.C. a little bit. Yeah. And um, Andy's got a slightly longer stride than I do, and, <laughs> and it's better balance, generally. And so he kind of, you know, he hopped across this creek on the rocks with his bike balancing, and I looked at it and thought... I could try that, but if I miss and go in, that's my whole day with a wet shoe. So I thought, I'll, this is great. I'll just take my shoes off and wait across. And I got about halfway across this not wide creek, and I had one of those, like, titanic moments of, like, there's not enough room on the raft. Leave me behind. <laughs> this, yeah, like, I thought I was going to die, and it was, you know, Never it, let me go. it was like a foot away, but I was so cold that my whole body was, like, shut down. <laughs> And yeah. then I got my bike from me. It was it was pretty pathetic. But you had dry shoes to put on when you got to the other side. I did. Yeah. Uh, I mean that yeah. is kind of nice. <laughs> that rarely works out, but I'm glad that worked out for you. It was the right move, for sure. It was the right move. It was painful. Yeah. Yeah, it looked awful. <laughs> <laughs> so Andy took a video of it and put it on the internet. I did. <laughs> <laughs> What's what biggest, else? What, what's the biggest mechanical mishap you've experienced on a ride? Um, I mean, back in the day of uh, cable brakes, certainly breaking. Well, the cable brakes are certainly still around. I just mean like on mountain bikes when hydraulic stuff was unheard of. Um, yeah, 
pulling cables out of bolts, descending hills, and just having, what do you do? You just crash. <laughs> just kind of lean over. You're like, that's a good spot to go. So, yeah, losing brakes going down the hill. I was fine. It's all right. And then um, because I do the kind of longer endurance stuff, I still ride with bar ends on my mountain bike because I like the multi-hand positions. And for climbing on a single speed, it's nice to have that little horn to kind of rock back and forth. But on technical single track, mm, mm, and uh, hooked a tree real good one time and concussed myself really bad. And this was on one of my road trips. And I was in Indiana and I came to on the trail and was kind of like, Oh my God, what the fuck? Okay. Oh my God. Where am I? <laughs> and you never want the answer to that question to be Indiana. I know if it's Indiana, but yeah, well, that was kind of it. And I just went through, I was like, okay, all right, I'm okay. My name is Juan Stixon. I was born. Yeah, I was going through this little mental checklist and I was like, Oh God, I, <sighs> And this whole kind of like, oh, the van. Oh, I need to get back to the van. Yeah, no, okay, I know where the van is. It's, um, okay, all right. And it's, why is, okay, the van, but where am I? I'm in Indiana? And then that's when I started, like, crying. I was like, why am I in Indiana? Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, not despair at that, but the despair at, like, having no idea why I was in Indiana. And, um. You're disconcerting. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, kind of quickly started recovering my cognitive ability, got there, called my partner and she was going to come get me, which was like an eight hour drive. Um, that was dumb. And, uh, went to like an urgent care place and like, uh, yeah, we don't really treat concussions, man. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of it. And I was like, oh, so should I just, (laughs) should I guess I'll just go eat dinner then. And that's what I did and didn't ride for three days and then started riding again. And the first ride really hurt a little, every bump. Oh, oh man, that is bad news. Yeah, it's bad news. I yeah. probably took some years off my life and probably did some permanent damage. <laughs> I probably took some years off decision making. <laughs> that stuff is no joke. No, it's not. And I mean, honestly, well, this is, has nothing to do with mechanicals, but I didn't realize like what a job that concussion had done on me. Yeah. Because for years, like mood swings would make me more weepy. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm a weepy person. Maybe I cry. I have a good cry sometimes. What? Um, but yeah, that would put me into like unhealthy cry places. Oh, man. And, um, yeah, really um, some bad suicidal kind of stuff. And then it's finally kind of, yeah, come, going away. It can really mess with you. I mean, it, you know, it, uh, there was this guy, uh, racer Ben Frederick, came to D.C. some years back uh, to help the set up the Rafa D.C. pop-up. Um, and he'd been off cross racing for a while because he'd gotten a, a TBI. He's spoken really openly about this, but he was just doing a training ride and apparently, um, you know, hit, hit pack sand or something and was out for almost a year. 
And when he came back and was doing the work at the Rafa space, he talked about the TBI and the ways that it actually kind of re rewires your brain, um, you know, and, and that you have these mood swings and personality changes and, you know, you really have to kind of re rework your life for something that severe. But I think we kind of take it for granted on bikes. You know, you, you hope you don't hit your head, you wear your helmet, but yeah, that's so scary. And, uh, it is for sure. Yeah. I mean, I even, I didn't really at the time consider mine to be like a real traumatic brain injury, but mm-hmm. it did a, a number on me and I didn't realize it till later. Well, so I guess not a, not, a, not a bad question to follow up with, but what is one thing you'd bring with you on any big dumb ride, especially if you're flying solo, like you were, I mean, I always have some form of identification on me it's like a little banjo brothers wallet that has a little note about who to contact if anything happens to me and a note to tell my son i love him <laughs> like this little kind of stuff but um that's a good that's a good one to have for sure i feel like we yeah. always talk about you know food and spare bike pump and co2 and you know more snacks and snacks and snacks but you know your id is probably a good idea too yeah i have i have all that other stuff um yeah that's the one thing i will like stop the ride and turn around for if i forget it lights whatever yeah Uh, yeah food there's gas stations um or berries on the side of the road or honey yeah or honey (laughs) or honey or a honey bear yeah One thing we've been asking a lot of folks here is um, about a product you want or a thing you would, you wish existed. So the question is, if money and time was no object, what's one product that you'd bring to market that doesn't exist yet? It could be an app, a tool, an accessory, whatever. But I like asking this question of bike mechanics in particular, like shop owners and folks who've seen a lot come and go in the bike industry. So wait, are we talking about like a piece of, just any kind of piece of technology that it could be anything. We've had uh, ideas here for self-inflatable tires, uh, uh, hand and feet warmers, but that are like somehow built into your bike kit so that it just senses when you need it. Uh, mm. I have a, a clench meter for Strava that hasn't been taken up yet by Strava, surprisingly, but we're waiting. They're going to do it, though. They're going to. Yeah. What was that, a clench meter? Yeah, like a fear factor. Pucker um, factor. Pucker factor. Yeah. 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 So you know, know how scared you got on your downhill. <laughs> I wish I had a really good answer, but I think the reality is that I'm a pretty dumb rider, and so I'm never thinking that far ahead. I'm just like, oh yeah, two water bottles would have been a great idea. <laughs> oh my god, why didn't I think of that? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> A shimmy would be a good idea. <laughs> Just kind of that learning along the way kind of thing. Like that ride was so much better when I brought food. Um, That's a yeah. good answer. Those are my favorite rides where I have no idea what I'm in for. Um, like I just did one, I went to visit my mom in Atlanta and I just found some rando guy's route. And I was like, this looks fine. It's about 70 miles. It sounds good. Uh, he. I don't know when he had done the ride, but I absolutely should not have been in some of the places I was. Like at one point I took this gravel road that turned into like a, it was somebody, what what would they call it? Like a hunting ground, basically a- uh, Like a game preserve or something? Yeah, a game preserve, yes. And um, there were gunshots kind of near, 
And I was like, this is such a bad idea, but turning around is so far, <laughs> so far. I'll just get real low and I'll just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, going, going through a quote unquote tactical hog hunting <laughs> area where people dress up like army men with like lasers and machine guns and like go blast away pigs. Like doing that at night was probably this most scared I've ever been on a bike. I was like on my mountain bike at night, pitch black, riding by advertisements for tactical hog hunting. And I'm like, I'm so fucked. Yeah. I'm gonna get my head shot off. <laughs> and I guess I have enough. Um, I was kind of like, well, as long as my head gets shot off and I'm not just like laying there. So one of the things we've been, we've been doing through the course of these conversations is reflecting on this idea that as cyclists, we kind of have, and we've talked about this at the very beginning, kind of like build ourselves around this schedule of events. This is a good motivator, um, gets you out, like doing a prescribed route, like on a certain day, you can plan around it, build your calendar around it, like these events. And we haven't had any of them in, in my like 12 months. Uh, and for a lot of us, this has been an opportunity, whether we wanted it to be or not, to re-examine our relationship with cycling or our personality that's built around cycling 100% accidentally and we're one-dimensional characters about it. No, um, so, I, you know, I think it, it has been really interesting just to hear from folks like, what is it about your relationship with cycling and, and bikes and riding and big rides that has, has changed in the last year? And, and do you view the purpose intent or net good of, of riding differently after this period than you did before? Without a doubt, 2020 sucked for me in riding. It just, it just did. So that would be the biggest change is that I was able to do it so much less and it wasn't about no events or anything like that it was really just what happened um and for like us at the shop it just got so busy that stepping away was impossible yeah. to go even if there had been an event i probably would have had to cancel um and that it's a double-edged sword because it was a good year and a terrible year and there are people who are more um well-spoken than me that could probably say it better but like shops even though we had a good year of sales like we paid for it just by insanely long hours um an increase in volume that a lot of us weren't capable of handle or ready to handle. Like I have the shop built around a certain kind of number and input output. And all of a sudden it was beyond that. And we were just tripping over each other. Mm -hmm. And the, even the nature of the interactions changed, I would say degraded, <laughs> uh, because everyone's pissed and it became much more, um, confrontational i'd say hmm. retail in terms of well, and, coming into your shop and making demands or <clears throat> getting upset yeah for sure that and i mean every single interaction kind of begins with a, a chastisement be like hey mask that's like the first thing we say to someone oh like, man. Yeah. yeah and so imagine walking into some place and the first thing you're told is like 
get out. <laughs> Put your mask on. Yeah. Which but is the right thing to say. And you should it's have- absolutely the right thing to say. Fuck those people. But they are coming into my shop to spend money. Right. And I just yelled at them. I don't yell. I've only yelled at a few people. But it just, there was this edge to everything. Yeah. And then the uh, inability to get product, that kind of thing, just people didn't understand it. And so it's taken a month to get one single tube to do a repair. And customers are saying, this is ridiculous. And you're like, this, this is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And I'm living it. Yeah. Um, so I apologize, but this is just what it is. Has, is it, has it started to even out? As yes and no. Yeah. Uh, this year is going to be bonkers with regards to bike availability it's going to be i'm really curious to see what happens because not to like i i don't know how other shops are feeling about this but we're probably getting 20 to 30 percent of the product we're asking for bike wise oh my gosh yeah that is so I'm crunching the numbers and going like, okay, if I sell every single bike we're getting, where does that put me monetarily? Is that going to be enough to sustain us? Let's say service is up. Yeah. Wow. So, so I think the demand still... will be there, but inventory won't. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent. This has nothing to do with big, dumb rides. I'm just talking about it because it affected my riding tremendously. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we, uh, who knows what's going to happen? Once upon a time, we would just sit there and be like, man, I hope someone comes in interested in one of the bikes we have. And now, well, not now because it's winter, but through the fall and summer, you get five calls a day about a bike you would almost always have in stock. And you just be like, no. And I think they're talking about like April before we can get it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So how many times before, you know, when a customer hears no, do they just go, you know what? I'm not getting into bikes. It's dumb. Yeah. We heard, I heard the same thing from one of the shops I go to in DC. Um, and I, I went there to have a road bike looked at and I was, I was waiting and within 30 minutes, six different people walked in the door asking about hybrid bikes and had, I had to watch the owner just, you know, the guy works there and be like, no, no, sorry, no, no. And it's got to just be uh, such a bummer when you, you know. It is. There's demand, but supply isn't there, and it's crazy. For sure. And, I mean, yeah. again, it's been a, like the bike boom, bike boom is definitely a real thing, but it is also a complete lie. Um, I mean, our years would have been amazing if we had had the product that mm-hmm. we could have, yeah. but... Do you see a light at the end of the tunnel or is this going to be another six months of supply chain madness and backlog? I don't see things in that regard. Imagine you're just a boat on an ocean and some days the swell's really good and some days it's not. And then one year it's crazy because there's an El Nino and you're like, whoa, whoa, what was that? And the next year it's just the doldrums. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty used to just playing it that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Projecting not strong <laughs> suit. Just kind of ride the wave. I don't know if any of us should after the last year do yeah. too much projecting because you just True. never. But um, best you can do is 
look after each other and be nice to your local bike shop. Absolutely. And just be, yeah. Yeah. Don't be, be a dick. Everyone. You be nice to everyone. I mean, that's yeah. like with the shop, at least the idea of trying to make everything, like everyone walk away from there with a positive experience is very difficult to do. <laughs> but like that idea of leaving things better than you found it, wouldn't that be lovely if we all kind of had that idea? So you walk into a place wanting to leave it better than you found it and you walk away leaving feeling better than you did when you walked. Yeah. And yeah. Well, on the, on the non-bike shop side, riding just in and around DC and in the parks, the explosion has been mind blowing, especially sort of start middle of the pandemic, just how many people yeah. were oh, many people. on bikes, which is awesome. That's great. Um, but it was part of the impetus of getting out of the city and further and further away from people because you did yeah. not have a lot of people and, you know, unpredictable folks on hybrids and, you know, you want to support people getting into bikes, but we went in search of, you know, calmer roads, I think, and kind of helped fuel the, the big dumb ride motivation a little bit as well. Yeah. I mean, it's uncharitable to say, but like, there's that kernel of annoyance in all of us at all these new people out on you're like, God, this used to be like quiet. I used to never get stressed out about being on the screenway or whatever. Now it's a nightmare. Ugh. I have to remind yourself that we were all that guy once too. For sure. And that more people outside is a great thing as opposed to just, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I hate it when, you know, <laughs> this is me and my gravel diatribe, but like that deifying of the challenge of riding a bike when it is nothing but rank privilege in so many ways. It's fun. I mean, Even it's when it's riding a bike is fun. Like, yeah. no one's forcing us to do it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it is fun to challenge ourselves and go places we never have, but like the ability to do that and just the even time and money and everything to be able yeah. to get out and challenge ourselves is just it's yeah. so huge Privilege. it's so huge yeah 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 and you know if you needed a reminder last year was was definitely that um i think it's also why i get so mad when people are jerks on bikes because like yeah you're lucky to even be here man <laughs> so, exactly don't be a jerk. yeah riding down the trail you wave at someone they don't wave back and you're just like what's yeah i know you're not much of a projector but like given how shitty of a year 2020 was for riding like do you let yourself think about getting back to it oh absolutely i mean i'm ready to get back to it i'm ready to just i, I mean again like i look at it less through the lens of like this light at the end of the tunnel and stuff and just the waves and whatever i'm riding and uh, this is an interesting year of not getting to ride as much as I'd like and working all the time, but I'm pretty much done with that. So yeah, if I need to close the shop for a week just so I can get out and ride, then that's fine. That sounds great. So this is going to be the year of riding. Nice. Good. Do you have any, any, any goals or objectives or no. just, gonna... <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I did uh, sign up for gravel worlds in August it's possible that might not happen. I don't know what the whole landscape's going to look like at that point, but I figured at least sign up for it. Well, I think we've we got another year ahead of us of a lot of big riding, maybe not a lot of racing, probably not till the fall, but, you know, 
again, lucky to be on bikes and be able to do this stupid shit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been so fun and we really appreciate you joining. Yeah, of course, y'all. Thank you. Feel free to cut out anything you don't like. <laughs> we look forward to coming by the shop and smashing some beers. And that'd be, I'm looking uh, so forward to that. We miss that very much. Of course, we're playing it very safe and won't be doing that again until it's. No. Yeah. Vaccination right. after times. Yep. Yeah. Well, good luck with everything. Uh, hang, hang tough. And uh, yeah, we wish you a not crappy time at the shop. Thank you. Thank you.